A Good Man is Hard to Find by Flannery O'Connor. There's a lot to discuss here in this excellent story by Flannery O'Connor, but we're going to mainly focus on the misfit and the grandmother. Both characters, when we analyze them and think about them, seem to be talking to people in a way where they're talking more at them than conversing with them. And I wanted to take note of that in the text, and we're going to study this pretty closely in class. That At the beginning of the story, we know that the grandmother doesn't want to go to Florida, and she starts trying to manipulate the situation. The children, from start to finish, are presented as rude. We get this interesting description of the grandmother and how she's dressed compared to how the mother or Bailey's wife, the mother of the children, is dressed, which I think we will also look at in class a little bit of a, of a throwback to a bygone era in the grandmother and a sort of a more modern mother-slash-wife. Remember, this story is published in 1953, as we have discussed in class. And I want us to think about the grandmother and how when she is speaking, she's not truly speaking to anyone in particular. She's just speaking to be heard. And this idea that her thoughts matter because they're being spoken, not because they actually carry any substance. So when we analyze this and think about this, the grandmother figure is desperately seeking some sort of attention, some sort of action by someone in the family that says, yes, you matter. Yes, you're important. Yes, your ideas are interesting. Something that gives her some validation, and she doesn't get it. She gets her sons being very dismissive of her. her the children are rude to her. The daughter-in-law seems to just sort of... There's not any real interaction between the two of them. They seem to both exist in the car, but there's not a lot of discussion at all between them. And the grandmother does what she wants. She doesn't want to go on this trip, but at the same time doesn't want to miss the trip. She wants to influence where they go. She doesn't get listened to, so she sticks with it, goes to Florida. She brings the cat along, knowing that Bailey would have been upset about the cat being in her lap, well, in the basket in the lap. And as this trip goes on, she convinces them to stop, to go see this house that's got a secret hiding spot inside it that's potentially full of silver, and only when they go down this dirt road does it hit her that the house that she is thinking of is actually in Tennessee and not in Georgia. And because of this, she desperately is hoping for a way out of it. And when the car accident happens, she's, as described by Flannery O'Connor so accurately, the grandmother is wishing she was hurt, but she's not. And no one's hurt. But the car is a mess and now they're stranded. And when the three men drive by in the beat-up black vehicle, it is the grandmother who weighs them down, once again, seeking attention. And while we have to give her a pass on that, because that would be a natural thing to do after an accident, she is met by the misfit, who she identifies quickly, whereas she just had not opened her mouth once again. There's a chance that the misfit would have maybe done nothing. Most likely not. But by identifying him publicly in this setting, we know exactly at that point her fate is sealed, as is everyone else in the group. Flannery O'Connor does an outstanding job of having the violent nature of these acts that go on. 
ring out in a distance. So the tension stays between the grandmother and the misfit. The removal of Bailey and his son. The removal of the mother with her daughter and the baby. These are violent acts taking place in the horizon, which ultimately is giving us this sense of a loose sense of extreme violence, but ultimately it's setting more of the tone in an atmospheric way. The atmosphere is being heavily impacted by this aggression and violence that's taking place on the outside while these two characters are going back and forth. And the misfit is really not speaking, once again, to the grandmother. They're having a somewhat sort of kind of conversation but what they're really going through is the misfit is just speaking he is talking about himself he's not really responding fully to the questions the grandmother consistently is trying to talk her way out of a scenario where there's no way out her family's being murdered but yet she really can do nothing but continue to talk to him about religion primarily focusing on on Jesus and what Jesus represents both in a physical, historical embodiment, but also in a fictional, more morality, moral standpoint. Okay, So when we think about this aspect, I want us to think about how Jesus is depicted in both of these ways, both as a character and as a historical figure, and what this does to both of these characters, both the grandmother and to the misfit himself. And we have this very kind of strange ending where she claims that the misfit is one of her babies. And I don't know as readers if we're supposed to believe that or not. I'll leave that up for your interpretation. But when she reaches out to touch the misfit, that is when he fires three shots into her, ending her life and bringing the story to an end. Where there's a discussion about whether or not the grandmother had any potential of being a good woman with a very classic final line that will go over in class, as we've talked about a little bit already, that she would be a good woman if there was someone holding a gun to her her entire life. So we're going to break that quote down in more detail. What is the meaning of that? This idea that, yes, she was a good person, but only under extreme stress? Is that something we want to think about? Maybe. But also this idea of what is the humor or the dark humor that is present at the end of this text that brings full circle the character of the grandmother to its complete conclusion. The misfit, we have to understand, is going to continue on, but the parallels between the grandmother and the misfit is important not just for us as the readers, but for the characters themselves from a development standpoint to really think back and see how they're talking at one another while never actually listening. It's a fantastic story that we're going to put a lot of time and energy in over the next couple of days, and I hope you enjoy it.